Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and today we're going to be talking about UFC Vegas 69 on Valentine's Day week, on Valentine's Day today, because it's going down. In the main event, we got, I mean, I'd say a future Hall of Famer and Jessica Andraj. I mean, you look at her resume and it's right up there with the best. She's touched gold before. She's done it all. and She's been in the UFC a long time and I believe is also the only woman to win fights in three separate weight classes inside the octagon has the most finishes. I mean, Jessica Andrade, I mean, what can you say? I would vote for her to be in the UFC hall of fame. So let's just leave it at that. And then on the other side of things, you got Aaron Blanchfield, who's, you know, the young hungry prospect looking to make a statement, looking mean out there, showing wrinkles of her game, showing that, you know, for, what many people consider to be an entry-level fighter just a few fights ago. Now she's fighting, you know, a former champ and one of the most destructive women in, in all in the history of the sport. So I cannot wait to break down this main event as well as the rest of the cards, as, as well as the rest of the fights. I appreciate y'all being here. Smash the like button, hit the subscribe button, and let's get down to business, y'all. Because in the main event... In the flyweight division, we got Jessica Andrade. She's 24 and 9, taking on Aaron Blanchfield, who was 10 and 1. And currently they got it. Jessica Andrade, minus 165. The comeback on Aaron Blanchfield is plus 140. So uh just full disclosure, I bet on Aaron Blanchfield at plus 150. I risked three units on it. Uh here's why. So firstly, I mean the kind of respect I have for Jessica Andrade, you know, because she's a pioneer, like what she brings to not just flyweight where she's at now, but even prior to that, um, strawweight. And even prior to that, um, she was at, uh, at Bantamweight. So she's fought in three weight classes. She's finished fights in three weight classes, total badass. And what's interesting about her is that she brought like a certain power to women's MMA that, they had never experienced before, right? Like you'll see some technical kickboxers, this and that, but you never kind of saw that, that, that John Lineker style until Jessica Andrade brought it to women's MMA where, you know, she's short, she's stocky. She swings these big bombs and the look on these ladies faces when they get hit by her, they're like, <laughs> you know, back to the example, um, that, uh, I, I, I made a few times over the last few podcasts. It's like when, uh, uh, when my boy uh, Chris Tucker in Rush Hour, you know, when him and Jackie Chan, they go to Jun Tao's little hideout at the at the Chinese spot, and they go to the back room, and uh, you know, like all the goons like start attacking Chris uh, Tucker, and he's like, "Which one of y'all kicked me with that?" That's the exact same reaction that Jessica Andrade's opponents have when they get hit by her. And the thing is that she eats shots too. Like she's not impervious to, to, you know, not getting hit. It's just that when she gets hit for the most part, now she has been knocked out in the first round before against Wiley Zane. We can talk about that later, but for the most part, it's like, you'll hit Jessica Andrade. She'll laugh at you when Jessica Andrade swings at you. I mean, she's getting first round finishes over people that don't often get finished. And in addition to that, she has this thing, you know, her name, uh, Bata Eshtaka, what 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 does that stand for? It's not pile driver, is it? It's something else. But 
She'll pick these girls up over her head, walk them halfway across the octagon, Matt Hughes style, slam them down. Um, don't sleep on her guillotine choke either. But what I like most about Andrade lately is that so she has the reputation of like being the juggernaut that I just described, you know, just marauding forward with big looping shots and very powerful. I feel like she's been tightening up her technique lately. I've been seeing calf kicks like in that second Rose Nama Yunus fight. Um, I saw her go out there that last fight, which was only a couple. It was only a couple weeks ago against Lauren Murphy. And I mean, she went out there and we're talking. <laughs> she threw fucking 369 strikes she landed 231 significant strikes like those were like the numbers my boy jamal hill was putting up that same night so like god damn and, and in addition to that i also want to point this out uh lauren murphy went 0 for 15 on takedown attempts right and i know that's important because we know what blanchfield wants to do there's just such a difference between the caliber of of grappling that that Blanchfield has compared to Murphy, not to mention Murphy was coming off a brutal beating to Valentina. You know, Murphy, she can say what she wants, but, you know, a couple of these fights, people have considered robberies like the Joanne one, uh, Joanne Calderwood one. I didn't think it was a robbery, but I'm just saying, like, you know, Lauren Murphy, how old is she? She got to be like close to 40 now. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think it's a, a case where, you know, Jessica Andrade took out someone that's on their way out and she looked great doing it. I, I can't say anything bad about that performance stuffed 15 takedowns and landed 231 significant strikes hey those are beautiful numbers my, my only thing here is that like just because you stuffed 15 takedowns from lauren murphy that doesn't give me confidence that you're gonna stuff one takedown from aaron blanchfield this is a this is a different level of grappling here like yeah is blanchfield young is blanchfield green does blanchfield still have a lot of room to grow 100 you you can't debate that but does Blanchfield have a specific skill set that I think is going to give Andrade trouble here? Yes. And my proof of that is this. So Jessica had this fight with the, the champ, Valentina. Now, I know people are going to be like, are you comparing Aaron Blanchfield to Valentina? Like, no, I'm not comparing Aaron Blanchfield to Valentina. We both know Valentina is just a far more adept striker than Aaron Blanchfield. No questions asked. But I'll I'll, I'll say that Aaron Blanchfield has better jujitsu than Valentina. I will say Aaron Blanchfield has better wrestling than Valentina Shevchenko. And, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because Valentina went seven for seven on takedowns against Andrade. And here's the thing about that. When you go seven for seven, in a fight that ends in the second round, what that means is that Andrade was able to get back up. You know, she got taken down seven times. She got up like six times. So granted, you know, she does do well getting up. She might, you know, show her back when she uh, gets back up. But sometimes giving up your back when you're getting back up is the way to do it, especially if you have a nice wizard to prevent them to from really going in there, get those hooks in and establishing a dominant position, but just giving up your back for one second to use it as a standup. Andrade does that nicely. The thing is that I think Aaron Blatch Blanchfield has better top control than Valentina has better takedowns than Valentina. And most importantly, has better jujitsu. So yeah, on the feet, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, I'm going to 
kick kick my feet back, put my my hands on on the back of my head like I'm about to do tonight on Valentine's Day, you know, during the stand up exchanges because I fully understand that Jessica Andrade, the power she brings to the table, the looks in the ladies' eyes when they get hit by her on the feet, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sweat it out. It's just that when it does hit the mat. I, I think it's a different kind of top pressure. I think it's a different kind of submission attack. And that's why I'm going with uh, Blanchfield here. So I see some comments about how, well, you know, she couldn't take down Aldridge and this and that. Okay. And that's fair. That's factually, you know, I think that's factually correct. Let me make sure that's factually correct. Um, but there's a reason and, and it comes down to styles make fights. Let me explain what I mean by that. So, when Aaron fought J.J. Aldrich, what does J.J. Aldrich have in common with Jessica Andrade? Nothing. J.J. Aldrich is kind of more of like an elusive kind of tries to look pretty with her striking, good parrying game, doesn't like to get hit, stays on the outside, does a lot of running away. It's kind of hard to find, right? The difference is that Jessica Andrade is not hard to find. Jessica Andrade is going to get right in the face of Aaron Blanchfield, and that's either going to make or break the result for Blanchfield here. Reason being this, you get right in her face, hey, the takedown entries are going to be there all day. That's the difference between the Andrade fight and the and the uh, JJ fight. JJ, JJ doesn't really get in your face. JJ uses a lot of movement. She's elusive. She's trying not to get hit. She's running away the entire time. So it was what it was. Um, but here, Andrade is going to get right in the face of Aaron Blanchfield, and I think that will leave the openings uh, for the entries to those takedowns. So, you know, from there, I, I think I think it's just going to be kind of different when Aaron's on top of her. And I've seen I've seen what Valentina did to Jessica. And again, it's I, when I say stuff like that, people are going to be like, "Are you comparing Jessica to Aaron?" No, I, I think on the feet. You know, um, excuse me. Am, am I am I compa- am I uh, comparing Valentina to Aaron? Is what I meant to say. No, I'm not. On the feet, Valentina is infinitely better than Aaron, but I think Aaron has a better <laughs> takedown game, submission game, jujitsu control. I think all that is better on Aaron than it is on Valentina. And just because these last few fights, when you have you know the corpse of Lauren Murphy not, not being able to secure takedowns, that doesn't like hold any weight in my mind whatsoever about Aaron's capabilities of getting takedowns. Now, listen, I'm not delusional. I know how dangerous Andrade is. And I know that in standup exchanges, although, you know, Aaron is a tough chick and she'll probably take it. The issue is that, you know, her striking is still developing. She'll go forward and she'll try her best. She's relentless. Uh, It's just that, I, you know, I don't want any chick I bet on eating these uh, these Jessica Andrade shots. So I fully accept that this is a risk, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. I mean, if I was talking like Aaron's going to end this year fighting for a belt, I'm not going to back down from my stance now. As far as the week notice for Andrade, I mean, I'm sure she's in shape. She just looked amazing three weeks ago. If she thinks she can make the weight on a week, I believe her. You know, she's she's been in the game that long, and we've seen people take fights on a week notice, like Sean Strickland, and, and put on a clinic. So, I'm not gonna use that as a factor in my reasoning. I could give two fucks if she took it on a day notice. To me, it's more about 
what happens when Aaron Blanchfield gets on top of Andrade. Is Andrade just going to you know, get back up, no problem? And I see someone bringing up the Gadelia fight, which I'm glad you brought up the Gadelia fight because Gadelia was kind of the last somewhat similar threat to Andrade that Blanchfield brings to the table. The difference here is that we all know what was the big, you know, sticking point or kind of the 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 big factor that we'd always criticize with Claudia Gadelia. It's that she'd always gas after round one. As far as I can tell, Aaron can go the full the full distance, wants to be there, has the heart, has the tenacity. And I think that, you know, there's going to be some sketchy exchanges, but at plus 150 odds with such a big advantage on the map. I'm willing to roll the dice. And uh, yeah, I think she is the future of the division. Does she have to take a roadblock here? Is it first L time inside the octagon? Is it vet lesson time? Maybe the thing is that I genuinely do think Blanchfield has a significant advantage on the mat, especially if she gets on top. Ground and pound, submission attempts, or, or just hold her down, whatever it takes. So I'm going to go with Aaron Blanchfield to get the big upset over the future Hall of Famer, uh, Jessica Andrade. I love I love me some Jessica Andrade, but it's it's just business. So it is what it is. I'm going to go with Aaron Blanchfield. I put three units on her at plus 150, and uh, let's go out there and let's cash this bet. So co-main event. Man, can you all believe this? Co-main event. You know, Beverly Hills Ninja in a co-main event in 2023. In a UFC co-main event 2023 was not on my bingo card. But here we are. Co-main event of the evening. We got Zach Pauga. Is it Pauga or Pauga? He's five and one, taking on Jordan, the Beverly Hills Ninja, right? Who's 12 and four. And currently they got it. Zach Pauga minus 275. The comeback on uh Jordan Wright is plus 230. Um, I mean, Jordan Wright, killer be killed. I love him from an entertaining stand, entertainment standpoint and also like betting against them. The other thing is like, you know, last time I got to bet on Dushko at like minus 185. Dushko is a way better fighter than Zach Palgo. Why would I bet Dushko at minus 185 and then bet someone who's less experienced, who's nowhere near as good, who's coming off, not, not a TKO, but a KO dead stiff. Like they had to bring in the smelling salts. They had to bring in the stretcher. Why would I bet him at minus 275? On one hand, you can fade Jordan Wright every single fight, and long-term, you're going to be on the right side of the coin. It's just, uh, this price sucks. This price fucking sucks, bottom line. And like I said, last time when it was Dushko, who's much better than Zach Pauga, it was a no-brainer, but here it's not a no-brainer. And prior to his fight with Mohamed Uzman, and I'm talking about Zach, and prior to the Ultimate Fighter fights, I mean, he had like a 50-50 fight with Marcos, Mar uh, Marcus Maluco Perez. Y'all remember him? Dude who wore the Joker face paint at, at the weigh-ins in the UFC back in the day. Not saying he's not a tough out, but that was an ugly fight, and it could have gone either way. And it, I just think Zach is very green right now. I'm not saying he can't knock out Jordan because Jordan gets knocked out every fight. I mean, I'm going to pick Zalga because I'm don't. i not in the business of picking Jordan Wright to win UFC fights. It's just the price on Zach sucks. I bet a much better fighter against Jordan at a much better price last time, so I'm not going to force a bet on a shitty fighter at a shitty number, but I will still pure pick Zach Palga to win this fight. Featured bout. Oh, my God, man. 
Like, yo, UFC, what, what's going on here, man? Featured bout Josh Parisian, 15 and 5, taking on Jamal Pokes, who's 9 and 3. This is a featured bout in 2023 in the UFC, man. <laughs> so, Jamal Pokes is minus 240. The comeback on Josh Parisian is plus 200. What's funny about this is when I saw Jamal Pogues on a contender series, I was like, man, I cannot wait to fade Jamal Pogues. I thought, he did not belong. I thought they kind of showed him sympathy because he came to the contender series twice. So they wanted to be nice and give him a shot. But I think this guy's out of shape. I, I think that he doesn't have good volume. I think I just think it, it, it really pains me to say guys suck when you're talking about the UFC level. But like you used to be when you used to say that back in the day, it'd be like a slap in the face where now it's a slap in the face to us because it's like Jordan Wright and Zach Palga would have never been a co-main event on any UFC card a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, Jamal Pogues and Josh Parisian would have never been a featured bat on a UFC card. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like Jamal Pogues versus Josh Parisian is a low, low level fight. And that's my featured bout. Like, dude, like what? And, and I, I'm one of these guys. I, I'm not one of these guys that shits on the UFC. Like, uh, it, it's a very rare occasion when I do. And I found myself like the last two months, there's been those very rare occasions where I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like not resign, not doing everything you can to bring Francis back. You mean to tell me the baddest man on the planet's not in the UFC anymore? So, yeah, I disagree with uh <laughs> yeah pepe that's a great comment we'll talk about that soon um yeah jamal i mean i'd like to maybe take a shot on josh but josh just had like cardiac issues his last fight like he stayed up all night heart beating out of his chest had to go see a cardiologist like i ain't interested in that so yeah if josh was in full health i'd actually pick him here and maybe bet him because I think Jamal Pogues is one of the biggest fades in the company. But coming off cardiac issues, I mean, it's like this is so tough because Jamal's not not my not my Jamal, not Jamal Hill. Jamal Pogues is for UFC standards is terrible. I was shocked they signed him. But again, they felt bad. He came to Contender Series twice. All right, let's give him a chance. We need heavyweights. I get it. And Josh Parisian, more experience. Been in there with much better competition. But it's like, dude, you like, well, what's up with this like health scare you had last time? Like cardiac issues ain't something to fuck with, man. So I don't know. Dog or pass situation. Like you will not catch me dead. Laying minus two forty on Jamal Pogues, maybe, maybe against the uh, Harry Huntsucker. Even then, you think Huntsucker might have a chance in that fight? Like, I don't know, but uh, I'll go. I'll, I'll go Jamal. But like, yeah, yeah, you ain't catching me putting money on on no shit like that. I will fade Jamal one day, just not against the guy who you know almost had cardiac arrest two months ago. So, yeah, pure pick Jamal. I want nothing to do with it. Next up, we got another amazing fight in the 205-pound division. And explain to me how William Knight's going to make 205. The reason I say that is William Knight's last fight, uh, what did he weigh in at? My boy weighed in at 251 pounds. And prior to that, against Maxine Grisham, when he missed weight for 205, he weighed in at 218. 
So the last time that my boy William Knight weighed in at 206 was uh, in 2021. And I know it seems like that that wasn't that long ago, but actually that was that long ago because 2022 passed by and now we're in 2023. It's just some of us are still processing year 2020 that we haven't noticed the years fly by. But back to this matchup, currently they got it. Uh, William Knight minus 115. Marcin Prachnio is minus 105. So it's a pick him with a slight lean on Knight. The interesting thing about this fight is I think that technically speaking, Prachnio is actually a lot better than him. You know, like Prachnio is the kind of guy <laughs> that'll get knocked the fuck out by Sam Alvey, but then will go out there and double up Khalil Roundtree on strikes. Like, makes no sense. But what does make sense is that Prachnio doesn't have a chin. He's susceptible to getting clipped badly in these fights. And William Knight, look, it might, it, the technique might not be the prettiest. He fights with his chin straight up in the air. He makes mistake after mistake. But he's got kind of like that prime black beast quality about him where, like, if you take down William Knight, he's going to explode back up, and then he's going to get off on that blitz and knock you out. So I can see Prashnio getting off on points, until he gets caught. I think one shot by William Knight. Like you saw Alonzo Menafield winning the fight against William Knight. And then William touches him one time and has him doing the chicken dance of all chicken dances. Um, so, but then you, good point, Andy. William got stopped by Devin Clark. Getting stopped by Devin Clark is a massive red flag. So, I mean, Marcin is better than this guy. It's just Marcin doesn't have a chin and durability counts for a lot. So, I'll go with William Knight to catch him somewhere along the way, but I'm not interested from a betting perspective. Now, this next fight I am interested from a betting perspective because next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Jim Miller. He's 35 and 16, taking on Alexander, not so great Hernandez. He's 13 and 6. Currently, they got it. Depends where you look. Uh, Alexander Hernandez, minus 225. The comeback on Jim Miller is plus 190. So I see... Uh, on best fight odds, it says at Bet MGM they have it at plus two hundred for Jim. I'm not sure that's true because yes, yesterday when I was playing Blanchfield plus one fifty, I tried to log into Bet MGM because they had it like plus one sixty five, and that was the best number around. So you know, I love to get the best number around. But when I logged on to uh, Bet MGM, they didn't have odds for this fight. They only had odds for like the upcoming pay per view. So I'm not entirely sure if this plus two hundred that they're showing on best fight odds is actually is actually a line that exists. But if it is a line that exists, that's a line I'm interested. I would love to take Jim Miller plus two hundred here. Look, I, I can't sit here and act overly confident. I can't be arrogant because Jim Miller is getting up there in age, and, and we just have to accept that. You know, he's going to be forty, I believe, his next birthday. Um, it's just that you know he's fighting a complete and total fraud named Alex Hernandez. I mean, Alex Hernandez singly, uh, single-handedly has the biggest fluke win in the history of the sport against Benil Dariush. And I mean, like, it, it, it's to the point where after that fight, Benil went 8-0. and After that fight, um, uh, Alex went 4-5. and Like, that fight was a fluke, man. Like, they run it back 10 times. Benil wins 9 out of those 10 times. That's why... That's why you can't cap a fight at 100% because flukes happen, right? So as far as this matchup is concerned, what we've learned about Alex is literally every single time Alex Hernandez goes past the first round, shit gets sketchy. And, and that's not, you know, some fights. That's every fight, okay, against Olivier Alvin Mercier. 
when it went past the first round, got super sketchy. And OAM should have won that fight. He was on top of Alex, but then he decides to drop back for a leg lock and gives up position. I'm like, oh, my God. Donald Cerrone fight went past the first round, got smoked. Francisco Trinaldo fight. It was in Texas, so Alex got a Texas decision. But that fight went past the first round, and we all know that that was a robbery. So it's like Alex has the biggest fluke of all time against Benil, and he's the owner of one of the biggest robberies of all time against Trinaldo. Then he goes up there against Dober. It goes past the first round. He gets stopped. They give him a huge step down in competition against Chris Gritzmacher, handles him accordingly, props to you. Goes in there with Tiago Moises as like a minus 200 favorite. Fight goes past the first round, doesn't look good. He got rid of Mike Breeden. All right, congrats. You got rid of Mike Breeden. Mike Breeden's not in the UFC. Then you step up to Henato. Then you step up to Billy Q. Same exact theme. You know, he's, he's a great hammer, but as soon as you show him any kind of resistance, the kid breaks mentally. Um, hence the Henato and the Billy fights. Um, and those were like, you know, like eight to 10 months apart. And like, he still hasn't fixed the issue. So the Billy fight, he got TKO'd in December. Now we're in February. So, okay. So earlier today I tweeted out, can someone find me the medical suspensions from UFC 282? You know, the car that Alex fought Billy on, the car that Ankalaya fought Blachowicz on? Because I want to know how long was Alex medically suspended? Because the thing about it is, if he's medically suspended for a month or two, then how much time has he had in the gym to get ready for this? Now, granted, some fighters, they don't listen to their suspensions and they just get back in the gym anyways. The thing is that it wasn't just like he got like, you know, a flash knockdown, didn't take much damage. Okay. Oh, dude, this guy's fucking eye was closing up. This guy, like, he said no mas once again. And that's not the kind of loss where it's like, man, I did so good. Just a couple adjustments. I'm right there. Let's get back in the gym Monday and work on our mistakes. No, nah, this was the kind of loss where it's like, Hey, like I need, I need to put the, the pack of frozen meat on my eye, hang out on my couch for a month straight before I even think about going back to the gym just to hit pads. And now you're taking a fight on a week short notice against. So what happened the last time Alex Hernandez fought the guy with the most fights and finishes in UFC history, Donald Cerrone. Got smoked. Well, now Jim Miller surpassed Donald Cerrone for that sa- for those two same records, most fights and most finishes. We've seen. Uh, J- I know there's the huge age gap. I know Jim's almost forty. I know Alex is only thirty, but I've seen I've seen Alex break against old men before. And there was also I want to bring this up. I don't want to just give one sided inf- information. There was that trend when every time Jim would go past the first round, he tend to lose those fights. Now, granted, now he's on a three fight win streak. Granted, the level of competition has dropped a little bit, but he's been winning fights into the second round. So that's a step in the right direction. And even in those other fights that uh, Jim lost by decision, where he'd have a strong first round and then he'd lose the second and third, like he still fought tough. Like it's not like he was out here quitting. Whereas the difference is when like, Alex has been standing TKO'd more than once, meaning like, dude, uh, it's not, it, it, it's a mental thing. Cause Alex, like you, people talk about Alex's cardio, dude, his cardio ain't the issue. You see this, the, the shape the kid's in cardio ain't the issue. Adversity is the issue. The kid cannot overcome adversity to save his life. He is a bully. I mean, when he was 
fighting Donald Cerrone. You know, the kid had his pocket thesaurus using all these big words. It's your second or third UFC fight. This guy's been in here. This guy's a pioneer of the sport, and you're talking to him like that. Like, when you fight legends, you show them respect. This kid has no respect, and it translates to his fights. I don't think he's tough. All I think he has is, you know, a good first round in him. And in that first round, maybe he can get Jim out of there. He's gotten really good guys out of there before. Maybe he can land opportunistic takedowns on Jim. That's what I'm worried about. But from Jim's uh, side of things, uh, someone said, he only stopped being disrespectful because Cowboy embarrassed him. That's bullshit. He did not stop being disrespectful against uh, Moises. When he posted his picture on Instagram, he's like, I know what's going to happen. Dana knows what's going to happen. Tiago has no clue what's going to happen. And then after that, when he was getting ready to fight uh, Billy Q, his captions were kill Bill. It's like, dude, like, like, like tone it down. If you were really that badass and on this big win streak undefeated in the UFC, and hey, talk all the shit you want, but you're a 500 fighter, kid. Literally, you've had 10 fights in the octagon. You're five and five. Like you had your fluke win. Now that's over. Now reality is setting in. So I think Jim Miller can come out here. Jim, weather this storm for me, man. Like I know we're getting up there in age, and I know this kid's young, and I know this kid pushes the pace early. But if we can get past that, and we can start landing some of those inside leg kicks, start just show this kid the rope. Show him that that, that vet savvy have some tactics ready for him. Maybe capitalize on one of these sloppy takedown attempts with a guillotine. Transition to his back. Choke him out. If you want to knock him out, I'd love to see him get knocked out. So I don't know what's going to happen, and it's hard to have a lot of confidence because Jim is almost 40 years old, and he might look 40 years old. But the bottom line is, at plus 200 odds against Fraud Nandez, who is saying that he's getting close to retiring, I'm down to roll the dice. So I haven't bet it yet. The only thing I bet so far is Blanchfield, but Jim Miller is on my list. I'm kind of worried because I saw some absolute square betters on Jim Miller, and I hate being on the same side as certain people. But, you know, hey, even the worst better can win a bet from time to time, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Jim Miller here to extend all his records, the finish record, the fight record, the this, the that. Go out there and style on this kid, man, and, and let's get him out of here. And, you know, I, like, I don't hate on people for wins and losses. The reason that I ha I feel this way about Hernandez is because of his disrespect. Like, I love trash talk. You guys know I love good trash talk. But there's a difference between trash talk and disrespecting real legends of the sport, guys that have been paying their dues for for decades guys that have been out there setting records you don't disrespect legends like that so yeah i got jim miller to come out here and finish alexander hernandez and i'm interested in betting him um doughboy says uh you said you didn't hate the kid but i never saw you hate on someone as much as you do alex i mean i don't hate the kid it's just that we're talking about betting on fights and when we talk about betting on fights you have to be brutal this is not you know you know let's pat each other on the back you know hold hands in a circle and sing kumbaya you have to be as honest as real and raw about your observations because at the end of the day like i fucking hate losing and the first three events of, of this year i lost and i fucking hate everything about that so to me um you know i got back on track last week but still like 
I want I, I want to come out here and make good bets and win. And you have to be brutally honest when you're assessing the fighters at hand. And am I going to sit here and act like Alex Hernandez is some top tier talent that's on an upwards trajectory? No, I'm going to I'm going to be honest like I always am and act like he had the biggest fluke in MMA history against Benil. His head got away from him in the cowboy fight, and he was never the same ever again. Every single time Alex has gone past the first round, things have gotten sketchy. Sometimes when Jim goes past the first round, things get sketchy, but not every time. It's every time with Alex. And for that reason, in addition to Jim being plus 200, I'm going to roll the dice here. Like Even if you know Alex capitalizes on Jim being old, I'm going to fade Alex's next fight too, but... These odds on the most potent finisher in UFC lightweight history, uh, I'm in, period. Um, someone said, brutal like a redheaded stepchild. Uh, I saw a funny-ass nickname recently. Um, this dude, his nickname was uh, the ginger with intent to injure. I was like, okay, I like this kid. I've never even seen him fight, but... Uh, Jason brought up a good point. He says the issue is Miller doesn't push a pace, really. And I think that's a fantastic point. It really, it truly is. But do, do, does Tiago Moises really uh, push a pace? You know what I'm saying? And the thing about it is all these fights without exception, even the Trinaldo fight where Trinaldo only threw 25 strikes, that wasn't at a high pace. And I thought Alex lost that fight, too. So I don't need it to be a fast-paced fight. I just need to survive any kind of early adversity and stand up to the bully. Let this kid know what time is. Let this kid know what kind of dues you've paid and that uh, if you want to beat Jim Miller, you're going to have to really take it from Jim Miller. So if Alex can take it from him, hey, props to you. Due respect. I'll take my L like a man. You never see me writing paragraphs about, oh, uh, the judges, oh, variants, oh, this or that. No. If I make a bad bet, I take it on the chin, period. So is what it is but yeah i'm uh go i'm gonna go with jimmy here and i'm gonna i'm gonna snatch those plus 200s when they come back and i said dan are you from the east coast you know a girl atl born and raised now next up in the in the bantamweight division never do me a huge favor smash the like button for me give me some valentine's day love smash the like hit the subscribe button and when this is over leave me a comment feel free to share feel free to retweet sincerely appreciate it so next up in the bantamweight division we got a match between lena landsberg she's 10 and 7 taking on myra bueno shitara silva who is 9 and 2 currently they got it myra shitara minus 460 the comeback on lena's plus 370 so i mean i love fading lena um, it, it's just that, you know, when I faded Lena against Cahol, Cahol Hosa, it was like minus 225 when I got in. So minus 225 and minus 460 are completely different lines. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So I, I, I missed the line. So it's just a pass. But here's what I will say. Here, here's one thing. I got to give Lena Landsberg a lot of credit. So even though she's coming off all these losses, she's landed knockdowns in those losses. And the reason I bring that up is because like Carl Hosa, who was known for like putting up output numbers, went out there and landed over a hundred significant strikes in two or three on two or three separate occasions. Uh, so in that fight, Lena drops Cahol. Cahol becomes a wrestler, which I've, which I, I've never seen. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because 
Myra Shitara Bueno Silva, she's not known for her wrestling. She's known for two things. She she hits extremely fucking hard <laughs> for for that for the standard of that division. She can crack. She's got nasty calf kicks. Um, her takedown defense isn't the best, but when you take her down, she's attacking subs. Sub Jillian Robertson off her back. You, you all know Jillian Robertson, one of the one of the better black belts in that division. Um, subbed uh, Egger off her back. Egger is like a credential judo player. So like Myra Shitara is dangerous with her jujitsu. I just don't. I'm just not convinced if the wrestling game is quite there I, I mean i'm i know it's not there right so so the thing about this fight is they're going to stand up lena has dropped her last few opponents standing but myra hits different myra has better output myra's younger and i i think that lena you know might have a little something early here and there and she and in the clinch she they call her the elbow queen for a reason she'll she'll split these girls up but uh I just think Myra too young, too hungry. And, and what I've always loved about Myra Shitara, she's violent. She's mean. Like I remember I bet on uh on uh Marina Moroz against Myra Shitara, and it was a sweat and a half. Every single time Myra would land shots, like you see the look in Moroz's eyes. And you know, my girl uh Lena, you know, she is up there. She is 40, 41, 42, something like that. And credit to her landing knockdowns in those fights, but now you got a super aggressive opponent who's mean, who's who, who finishes fights. And uh, not saying it's going to be a finish, but you know, I think it's minus four sixty for a reason. Not any value here, you know, it is what it is. But pure pick, Myra Shitara, um, I, and I hope she has one of her violent displays, which she's known for and which I love watching. Big fan of Myra. Lena, you've had an amazing run. The fact that you're still dropping these chicks at this age and your elbows in the clinch, I love it. But it's Myra's time, so for that reason, I'm picking Myra. My- Myra is actually how you pronounce it. All right, now this one I'm I'm excited to talk about. Next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Jamal Emers. He's 18 and six, taking on Hussein Askabob, who's 23 and 0. 23 and 0, right? We're going to talk about that record here in a second. So currently, they got it. Hussein Askabob minus 125. The comeback on Jamal Emers is plus 105. But what I want to point out is that Hussein opened minus 235. So all the action has come in on jamal emmers and people you know all i've been hearing about is how hussein has this incredibly padded record and this and that and i'm not going to debate that the record is padded however just because your record is padded doesn't mean you suck let me let me let me uh pull something up real quick okay do you all know what kind of uh opponents habib was fighting when he first came to the ufc and guys no i'm not comparing hussein to habib I'm just giving you an example of someone came into the UFC with a padded record and went on to be one of the greatest. So just because a Russian comes into the UFC with a padded record, don't, don't like that doesn't mean shit. And I'll tell you that right now, because look, l- let me tell you something. So uh, Habib's UFC debut was against uh, Kamal Shalarus, um, a dude who was doing really well in the WEC back in the day. But prior to that, listen to the opponents Habib fought prior to his UFC debut. The fight right before was a guy that was 28 and 22. The fight right before that. So two fights before Khabib's UFC debut, he fought a guy that was 0 and 0. Prior to that, a guy that was 5 and 2. <laughs> Khabib's 12 and 0 fighting a guy that's 1 and 1. Habib was 11 and 0 fighting a guy that's 0 and 2. 
Habib was seven and zero fighting a guy that was two and one. So the point I'm trying to make here is that just because Hussein has a completely padded record and he hasn't fought anybody does not mean he's not skilled. Let me pull up Islam's record. I'm actually curious to see if Islam uh, fought a bunch, you know, had a padded record coming into the UFC too. So Islam makes his UFC debut against Leo Kuntz. And prior to that, actually, uh, Islam fought some better opponents than Habib did. But still, Islam was like 6-0 and fighting 0-1 guys, right? Like, so I'm just saying, like, just because Hussein has a padded record is not indicative of him, you know, not being skilled or indicative of him necessarily coming out here to lose this fight. Because what I've seen from Hussein Asabab is, I mean, what I see from a lot of Russian fighters, good body locks, good suplexes, good chaining of the takedowns, nasty leg lock game too, um, which, by the way, y'all saw Emmers get tapped out with a little heel hook last fight. Um, and we'll talk about that in a sec. I've also seen, um, you know, Hussein go out there, land knockouts, anaconda chokes, flying knees, this and that. So he's done it all. And even if he's fought only cans, at least he's got 23 pro fights under his belt. Coming off a bit of a layoff, I don't put much stock into the layoffs. I know he's been training the whole time. Hopefully it's not a layoff because he was trying to, you know, detox certain vitamins out of his system for USADA. And now he's going to come in here looking soft. But I don't think that's the case because you're still dealing with a guy who's young. He's only 28 years old. So his last fight was when he was 25 years old. And, um, he actually is going from bantamweight to featherweight. And, you know, from the 25 to 28 age, that's when you're going to start to you know, put on that grown man size. So I think he's actually going to look like a big boy at, uh, at featherweight. He's been doing work, you know, he used to do some work at uh, Tiger Muay Thai. I think they changed the name there. Now he is at the Performance Institute. So he's getting the right looks. And Jared said, at least he's crushing these cans how you're supposed to. Exactly. I can't ask for anything more. It's not like he's going 50-50 with these cans. He's crushing them accordingly. And let me say this. Let me say this, too. On Saturday night, if Hussein goes out there and beats Jamal Emmers, his very next fight, people are still going to be saying his record is padded. So I don't. So to me, the padded talk, he can come out here, starch Jamal, in the, Jamal Emmers in the first 10 seconds, and his record will still technically be padded. So... I don't give a flying fuck if he's fought nothing but bums because like I said, Habib fought nothing but bums till he got to the UFC. Tons of these Russians fought nothing but bums. till they got to the UFC. So none of that matters. What matters is the skills. And I see skills. Look, there's certain things I'm worried about. What happens when someone truly stands up to him, extends them. Is there a cardio issue? Like, cause the thing about Emmers is this physically speaking, and skill-wise, Emmers is pretty damn good. Um, he can wrestle. He can strike. He's got good size for the weight class. He can do it all. My issue with Jamal Emmers is mentally, um, you know, some some of these guys are their own worst enemies. I was talking to one of my buddies about it um, because they, they've they trained together and they both kind of have a similar thing. I want to see what he, what he said. I'm not going to name names, but he said, yeah, me and Jamal Emmers are a lot alike. When he isn't in his head, he's dangerous. And the crazy, um, not going to say what happened when they trained together, um, but he basically said that sometimes, you know, Jamal Emmers gets in his own head and that does prevent him from, you know, performing at his optimal self. And if there's one thing about a 23-0 and Russian making his debut, padded record or not, 
I mean, this dude's going to be brimming with confidence, right? So as as far as Emmers is concerned, he'll have moments like in the Arosa fight, he dropped him in that first round, but then he gets knocked out in the second. Everyone drops Arosa in the first round. Firstly, the Giga fight, you know, it was Giga's day. De- was it Giga's debut? I'm pretty sure it was Giga's debut, right? Wasn't it Giga's debut? Um, no, actually, Giga's debut was against Brandon Davis. It was Giga's second fight. So, like, first, like, first round, like, Giga's clinicking him. Second round, Giga starts to tire, gets taken down. Giga swept Jamal Emmers. Giga, the 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 glory striker, not not some you know credentialed Russian wrestler like the Georgian uh, kickboxer, swept Jamal Emmers. And then you see that fight against Pat Sabatini. Emmers hurt Sabatini, and then he gets heel hooked a minute later. Uh, this dude, uh, Hussein's got a couple heel hooks on his record. So, but let's talk about the Vince Cachero fight. The one time that Jamal looked really good in the UFC, he looked fucking fantastic in that fight, but you have to put context on it, which is what I'm about to do. You ready for this context? All right, here's the context. So Jamal Emmers goes in there against Vince Cachero and he puts up the kind of numbers I love over a hundred significant strikes, five takedowns does the whole bit so it's like damn like okay jamal's talented check this out (laughs) vince cachero has this ability of making dudes look like future world champions point in case go look what happened when vince cachero fought casey kenny casey kenny looked like a fucking champ champ and i believe casey kenny might have even been a champ champ in lfa that knee was disgusting Look what happened when Vince Cancero fought Ronnie Lawrence. Ronnie Lawrence hit like eight takedowns on him. So so all I'm trying to say is that uh, Vince Cancero has a talent for making people look like future world champions. So I don't take much from that Emmers versus Cancero fight. If Cancero was normally like, yo, this badass motherfucker that's out here you know, winning fights and doing all these things, okay, then you put more stock into it. But when literally anyone half decent fights vince cachero like i just gave you three examples casey kenny looked like a pound for pound great against vince cachero ronnie lawrence looked like the future of the division against vince cachero jamal Emmers was like damn who's this guy against vince cachero he's not fighting vince cachero saturday night so what i think is going to happen and you know there is some guesswork because we haven't seen uh hussein at this level but I know that Jamal Emmers will check out in fights when things aren't going his way. And I know that Hussein's going to stand up to him. So as long as there's not some big cardio dump related stunt, I'm going with the dude with the padded record and I'm considering betting him, man. I mean, the fact that he opened minus 230, minus 260, and all the action is on Emmers that confidently based on the merit that this guy's record is fake. I mean, have at it. Khabib's record was fake until he got to the UFC. So I could give two fucks if his record's padded because I do acknowledge the skills that I'm watching when I watch the tape on him. So um, I'm going to go with uh, Hussein. Ask Bob to win this fight, and I'm considering betting him too. Now, smash the like button me, smash the like button for me, everybody, and leave me comments. I- I'm going to read the comments after this because sometimes I get carried away with the comments. But it's better if I just read them all after the show and I'll scroll up to the top, all that. Smash that like button and hit the subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Now, next up in the 205 pound division, we got O Vince St. Pru, OSP. Vince, he's 26 and 16, taking on Philippe Lynch, who is 15 and 5. Currently, they got it. Uh, Philippe Lynch minus 215. 
OSP plus 185. So what's interesting about this is that, like, historically speaking, I would so bet O Vince in this spot, especially at this price. Um, the the issue I have is that O Vince has not looked like O Vince in a long, 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 long time. Like, I get it. Philippe got knocked out by Tanner Bozer. Well, guess who also got knocked out by Tanner Bozer, right? Um, but so so what I'm trying to kind of say here is that like so Vince back in his day, man, like this dude was just super unorthodox. I mean, basically he turned the von flu choke into the von Pru choke. He hit more von flu chokes than Jason von flu. Pretty damn impressive. He's got one punch knockout power. Very just unique in his style. You'll never see anybody that fights like OSB. And I've always been a big fan of his. It's just that OSB is at the end of his career. And point in case is, so that last fight he had with, with Mauricio Shogun, Mauricio Shogun, I mean, they went 50-50. That fight could have gone either way. And at the time, I kind of viewed it like, hey, two legends out there, you know, getting after it, whatever. But then the next fight, I bet on Shogun against a random 0-1 bum. And uh, that dude handled Shogun in a way where it was like, yo, like maybe Shogun and Ovince are shot to a point that I didn't even realize. And even though Philippe Lynch like didn't get off to the best start, he had to have accrued a little bit of confidence from that last win. And I think he's still operating on slightly a higher level than Ovince. A couple of years ago, I'm betting Ovince at this price, not in 2023. My pure pick is going to be uh Philippe Lynch to to come out here and get it done. Now, next up in the 55-pound division, we got, uh, I was going to say two newcomers. It's actually one newcomer. We got Nazim Sadikov. Sadikov, he's 7-1, taking on Evan Elder, who's also 7-1. And currently, they got it. Currently, they got it. Nazim uh, Sadikov, minus 170. The comeback on Evan Elders, plus 145. So I was actually pretty impressed with uh, Sadikov. You know, trains with Sterling, trains with Marab, all those guys, Sarah Longo. But he's just solid everywhere, you know. Um, got power in both hands, can wrestle, he's got good size for the weight class, can get back up from bottom. So for a prospect, I was pretty impressed. And I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I, I'm considering a bet here. But then I watched Evan Elder, and my memory of him was different than what I saw when I rewatched the tape. And it's not that Evan Elder, you know, is anything special, but like compared to some of these guys that are like, Oh, and one right now in the UFC and that are super green. I at least saw like a real fighter in Evan Elder in his debut. Like I at least saw a guy that even if he was outmatched, like even if like he took the fight on short notice and he wasn't at his best, like he still tried, man. Like he, he wasn't out there giving up. So it kind of shows me that like, Hey, with a full training camp, he might look a little better here. Like he might actually show something. Cause I was expecting to, after I watched Nazim and I really liked what I saw, I was expecting to watch elder kind of be like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm betting uh, Nazim here and I'm still picking Nazim to win. I just think that Evan's probably a, a bit better than what he showed in his UFC debut. And compared to some of these random ass dudes that they signed, like, like Jay Perrin, for example, like, I actually think that Evan elders like 
a real fighter. You know, I'm not saying he's going to go far, but like maybe he can go one and three in the UFC or one and two or something. I think he loses this fight, but I think he, you know, gives a good account of himself. You know, fights tough, makes it to the makes it to the distance. So yeah, I'll go Nazim via unanimous decision. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a match between AJ Fletcher. He's nine and two, taking on Themba Garimbo, who is ten and three, representing Zimbabwe. And currently, they got it. AJ Fletcher minus two fifty-five. The comeback on Themba Garimbo plus two fifteen. So, all right, let me just full disclosure: I faded AJ Fletcher last fight against uh, Angelusa. Um, and, you know, prior to that, A.J. Fletcher had fought Semmelsberger, and he did really good early, kind of gassed late, but, you know, Semmelsberger's been doing his thing lately. But then the next fight against Angelusa, we got to put context into it. Look, I bet Angelusa, but I want to give Fletcher credit, man. Like, I know he gassed so badly in that fight, and it was, like, a really bad visual, but what you got to understand is that that fight was an elevation. Now, now guys, I'm not making excuses. I'm not sitting here saying that, Oh, AJ Fletcher is actually a cardio machine, but because it was an elevation, that's why he gassed. I'm not saying no bullshit like that. All I'm saying is that the way he gassed his last fight, I don't quite think that's going to happen again, man. And also, Themba Garimbo, you know, normally I love my African fighters and just the different kind of tenacity and ferocity that they bring to the table, the kind of competitors they are. Uh, y'all, y'all know I love my Sodiq Yusufs, my Francis Ngannou's, my Razaks, this and that. But I wasn't that impressed with them. But man, I mean, like the power wasn't there. Like I like it to be with my African fighters. The takedowns he was shooting from a mile away. When he gets taken down, you know, not exactly the quickest to get back up to his feet. So even though AJ Fletcher might be a fade. I still kind of view it like, hey, A.J. Fletcher's super young. A.J. Fletcher's in that phase of his career where he's paying his dues, where he's getting his feet wet, he's accruing some octagon experience, and you know he's making investments and deposits. And I expect to see a better version of him here. Now, am I going to lay minus 250 on A.J.? No, I'm not. But I actually do think this is the fight where he gets back on track. He finally gets his first UFC win. All the lessons you've taken along the way, because, I mean, you got to understand, he only fought cans on his regionals. and But the difference between him and, like, the Hussein guy, Hussein had 23 fights. That's a shit ton of fights. Whereas, uh, you know, my boy A.J. Fletcher, I mean, he just recently had his 10th pro fight. So he's still so green. So you're going to be seeing these big leaps every time he fights. Plus, he's just a kid. I think he's paid his dues enough to beat this guy. Going forward, you know, we got to take it matchup by matchup. But I, I think against this guy, you know, just kind of be a little bit more physical than him. Hit him with some big shots. You know, get on top of him and stay on top of him. Go out there and, and probably win this decision. So, you know, I respect Themba, but uh, I'm going to go AJ to finally get his first UFC win. He's worked hard for it. Let him have his moment. And then we can fade him next fight. But this one, I, I think he gets his first UFC win. Now, last but not least, in the flyweight division, we got Juan Camilo Ronderos. He's four and one, taking on Clayton Carpenter, who is six and zero. Oh. And currently, they got it. Clayton Carpenter minus two eighty. The comeback on Juan Camilo Ronderos is plus two thirty five. So y'all know, uh, 
Ronderos is from Colombia, and he actually tested positive for cocaine. Coincidence? I think not. But let me just say this before we before I shit on him a little bit, because it's like, bro, like we're not in we're not in our experimental phases in college where you know, oh, you try coke one time, whatever, big deal. You, you know, you do a you know you experiment around whatever. You know, you're a pro athlete, bro. You're in the UFC. You finally made your dream. And you're out here doing coke, like unless your name is John Bones Jones, like put put down the booger sugar, my man. Like you should not be touching that white girl. Like, so I already thought he was a bum prior to that, and then the guy tests positive for co- you know something funny. Uh, so I don't want to name names. I'm sure y'all can, you know, put two and two together and figure out who. So I had a guy that's on the UFC flyweight roster when he first got signed to the UFC. Like he he asked my opinion. He's like, hey, give me like a list of guys that you think are good matchups for me and we'll present them to the mat to the matchmaker, right? So top of my list was Ronderos. You know, of course I put Malcolm Gordon and JP Buys in there. Ended up knocking out JP Buys in the first round, but uh <laughs> wink wink, cough, cough. But nah, but like all bullshit aside, like Ronderos. I mean, I guess you can say he's a tough Latin kid, but I just, I question how serious he takes this. Like, and plus he's four and one, man. He's four and one. My boy Hussein had a, had a grind through 23 fights before he got to the UFC. Now we're signing kids that are four and one. So like, I already don't think you're good. I already think that you're a mess mentally. You're doing cocaine while you're signed to the UFC, you're four and one. Like you don't even have any experience behind your, like under your belt. Like, what are you doing here, man? I'll tell you what he's doing here. He's being brought in to make Clayton Carpenter look good. Look, here's the deal with Clayton Carpenter. He's only six and no. So prior to his fight uh, on contenders, he was running through guys, but I'm, but I mean, running through guys. I'm talking 45 second knee bars. I'm talking 13 second head kicks. So it was like, all right, give him his call for contenders. But he showed me some stuff on contenders, man. I mean, like, he overcame a tough first round. His eye was getting shut, but the kid's mean. The guy goes right after you. He's stubborn. I see a bright future for him. But the thing about it is this. So, like, last week, I laid minus 315 straight on Jack Jenkins. Jack Jenkins ends up closing minus 500, but... I was confident enough to lay him straight and minus 315 because I had already seen a lot, right? Like on his regional, he'd already been in five round fights. He already showed this maturity about him. He already showed he's methodical. He trains with the right people. Like to me, he wasn't just some typical UFC newcomer. So minus 315, when I thought it should have been, you know, minus 1500, especially with my familiar, familiar, ah, especially with how familiar I am with Don Shanus, who, you know, one of my best friends, Nate Williams, whooped his ass. So I was like, oh, okay, we know what time it is here. The thing with Clayton is he's still green. He's still figuring it out. So while I think he's got a very favorable matchup, and I will not pick Ronderos, I ain't picking no cokehead besides John Jones to win any UFC fight. But here, they're giving Clayton a chance to test himself and to, you know, get his feet inside the octagon. He's probably going to finish this guy. He's probably going to, you know, destroy him. It's just that Clayton is still too green for me to get behind at this price. Pro, you know, just just accrue a little bit more experience. Get a little bit more seasoning, you know. 
see uh see see what it's like to be inside the UFC's octagon, and and then I'll buy into you in the future. But here against the, it, it's just the price that's the issue. It's just the price minus minus you know two eighty when the kid is as green as he is. Even though I think he's got a super favorable matchup, I, I just can't quite do it. But it is my pick. You won't catch me dead picking Ronderos to win a UFC fight, even against Malcolm Gordon. But yeah, I'll go Clayton, no bet. All right, so I'm going to talk about the fight to watch and then the fighter to watch. Y'all do me a huge favor. Smash the like button and leave me some comments, some questions, whatever you want me to address. Now is the time for that. And I'm going to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch in the meantime. All right, so. The fight to watch for UFC Vegas 69. Fuck, man. It, you know, I like not mentioning the main event because usually everyone knows about the main event. And then there's this hidden gem on the card where it's like, yo, y'all got to watch this fight. But the fight to watch is the main event. I mean, if I hyped up Aaron Blanchfield to potentially fight for a title and maybe even dethrone Valentina, uh, those bold claims cannot come to fruition unless she gets past, you know, a future Hall of Famer in my book and Jessica Andrade. So this is an amazing fight. For that reason, Andrade versus Blanchfield is my fight to watch. Now, my fighter to watch, I'll give you a couple fighters to watch. I want to see what Hussein Askabov uh, does in, in his debut coming into the UFC 23-0. and 0. We, we already discussed the padded record talk. Um, and I gave some examples of other dudes that have come in here with padded records and gone on to do great things. So the record doesn't, I give zero fucks about the record. I'm more worried about the layoff and, and stuff like that, but the skills are there. So Hussein's one of my guys to watch. Also Jim Miller, like Jim, let's go out there and extend the record for most finishes, most fights, most this, most that. Like, let's start getting our name up in the most bonuses. Like, let's let's open the door for this kid and, and get him out of there man because i've had enough of this kid's bullshit um like you, you don't disrespect legends okay i love trash talk but you do not disrespect legends and then be a 500 fighter disrespecting legends it's one thing if you're 10 and 0 disrespecting legends okay that's one thing but when you're every single time a fight's gone past the first round you know we have to question your mindset and you're a 500 fighter talking shit about legends and you got knocked out a month and a half ago. What was your suspension? Like 30 days. So you've only been in the gym. What a week or two, unless you said, fuck your suspension. You've been back in the gym. You've been sparring while concussed. If that's the case, then I'm more confident. I just don't know. I need someone from Alex's camp to let me know what the deal is because I went online to look at what the UFC 282 medical suspensions were and it got removed. It's nowhere to be found. So I want to know how long was Alex Hernandez's suspension for? How long did it take him to get back in the gym? Did he listen to his suspension? Or did he just say, fuck it and get right back in there? And is this a quick money grab? Like, like, like what's the deal, man? Because coming off a knockout loss, like a brutal one where your eyes getting closed, you're getting fucked up. I, I'm no doctor, but, you know, if my guys ask me for my opinion, I'm saying, hey, take six months to a year off, not a month and a half off. Jim is 40, though, so that's where you got to be careful, you know? So I'm very intrigued by that. Jim Miller and uh, Hussein are, are my fighters to watch. All right, y'all. Well, we did it. Broke down the whole card. Uh, now I'm down to answer uh, fan questions, so leave me those now. Also, leave me that like button and a subscribe. 
I truly appreciate it. So I'm scrolling up to the top. My boy Pepe says he's rock hard and ready for the show. Hell yeah, bro. And make sure, and if you need to be for four hours, you know, for tonight, you know what I'm saying? Take a little uh, <laughs> gas station rhino. No, I'm just kidding, bro. Uh, Rob said, what up, Dan? Been watching for a long time, thinking about jumping on one of these videos soon if you'll have me. Just got the webcam set up. Hey, Rob, that's awesome, man. Send me a, a DM on uh, on Twitter, at Best Fight Picks, and like, send me like a little clip of you talking fights. Um, not that I don't trust you know your shit. It's more so like... Um, I used to be very open about sharing the link here in the chat to join. And then <laughs> some of the people that joined, I was like, yo, like I can't, you know, so yeah, just, just show me what I'm getting myself into. And I'm most likely down. Howard asked me what's Blanchfield's path to victory. I mean, I literally spent like 20 minutes on that fight. I mean, you know what the path is. Use that fucking black belt in jujitsu. Take this lady down and ground and pound, find a submission, whatever it takes. Um, Joe said, Dan, how did we do this past Sunday? Good. I won my only bet on Jack Jenkins. Um, L said, who, I give, who do I give the cardio edge to? And I'm, gu I'm guessing he's talking about the main event. I don't know. They both got great cardio. Miu um, uh, Mio said, Blanchfield wrestling couldn't take down Ald Aldridge, but will Andrade. Yeah, but like they're completely different style matchups. JJ Aldridge is kind of like a, a clean striker that that's elusive and runs away, which means that you have to go find her. Andrade just comes forward. John Lineker style is going to get right in your face. You're not going to have to find her. She's going to be right there. It, you, you can't just say, you can't just look at their names. Yes, Andrade is far more accomplished than J.J. Aldrich. I would never debate that. That'd be categorically false and factually incorrect. But what I am saying is that Aldrich and Andrade fight drastically different. This, it's styles make fights, like they say. They find nothing to like. Aaron's not going to go have is not going to have to go looking for Andrade. Andrade is going to be right there in her face. That'll leave the openings for the entries. Uh, Howard says Blanchfield couldn't take down Aldridge. Andrade is going to KO her. Not sure what Aldridge has to do with this fight. Fights nothing like Andrade. Marcus, what's up, bro? He says, "Are you surprised Blanchfield versus Andrade isn't at a catchweight?" No, because Jessica Andrade is a professional. So do I think she'll be good shape to fight five rounds? Maybe, maybe not, but hopefully it doesn't go five rounds. Uh, says, didn't Valentina use judo on Andrade? I mean, she took her down seven times, so it was more than just judo, my man. Um uh, so it's all pretty much these next year are all the same JJ Aldrich stuff. I guess people don't realize that JJ Aldrich and Jessica Andrade fight absolutely nothing alike. Um, but it, it's all good. Um let me see what else y'all got for me. Howard says Dan is overestimating Blanchfield's wrestling because of the Maverick fight. The problem is that Maverick is overrated. We'll see Saturday night if I'm overestimating it. Been wrong before, we'll be wrong many times again, but I like the number I got, and I'm not backing down from my position. Mimu said, did you pick Calvillo against Andrade? Now, why the fuck would I do some shit like that? Come on, dog. Come on. Howard says, three units down the toilet. Sorry, Dan. Hey, at least you had the balls to tell me before the fact, not like one of these fucking bums that 
you know, after I lose a bet, we'll come in there and be like, oh, I told you. So at least you're telling me before the fact. So I respect that. Um, let's see. Sean V said, Pauga can't knock anyone out. Has like one knockout ever. He can't wrestle though. Yeah, but Jordan Wright's got like the worst chin ever. So you know what I'm saying? Um, I see people saying the quality of this card is horrible. Yeah, but if we can find opportunities to make money, who gives a shit? I mean, yeah, I mean we're we're gamblers, aren't we? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, my boy Pepe said, "Yes, sir. Kick the feet back tonight and let the ladies cook you a steak and drop some dome. Loving this card. You know what I'm saying, bro? You know it might not be March 14th, which is the steak and a you know what day, but." Hey, it don't got to be February 14th. We get ours now. We get ours then too, my boy. So you already know what time it is. Um, He also said he took a small shot in Parisian. Kind of gross. Look, I get the principle behind it, bro. Jamal Pogues is... Remember that guy, Alton Meeks? Alton Cheeks Meeks? You know, it's uh, Jamal Cheeks Pogues too. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's just, oh man, if Parisian didn't have that those cardiac issues... I'd probably join you for like a half unit or one unit. Jared said, what do you mean the baddest man on the planet is in the UFC? He's fighting Jamal Pogues this card. <laughs> that was funny. Because at first, the first sentence, I was like, yo, is this motherfucker serious? But then, yeah, that was hilarious. Um, Jared said, we have one dude who got finished by Devin Clark and another who got out-wrestled by Philippe Lynch. Um It'd be like that sometimes, right? All right, let's see what else y'all got. Um, No, I don't hate Hernandez. I'm just brutally honest about how I feel about him as a fighter. And at the end of the day, you got to be ruthless. We're in this to make money, aren't we? I'm not in this to ask him for a selfie and, and an autograph. I'm I'm in this to to fade him at a good price is what i'm into um oh yeah marcus shout out to jens pulver hall of famer a the first ever ufc lightweight champion i mean you know we saw islam the most recent lightweight champion jens was the first so very well deserved hall of fame induction um my boy pepe said i'm based today i appreciate that Thank you. Um, all right, let me see if y'all got anything else. If not, I'm going to get out of here. Pure BJJ, who is better, Dern or Blanchfield? I think um, pure BJJ, like they both put on the gi, McKenzie, but MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, Blanchfield. Um, let's see, let's see. My boy Renee said, in honor of Valentine's Day, my favorite thing about Dan is the way he says guy. The ATL accent. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Booger Sugar, so funny. It's not funny when it's affecting uh, the people around you, but it is kind of like, yo, you're a pro athlete, not named John. You're a four-in-one guy, kid. Pay your dues a little bit before you start getting into that shit. It's like, Guy gets signed to the UFC. He thinks he's Tony Montana or some shit. He is from Colombia, so cut, uh, cut him some slack. But, like, 
bro, you're four and one. Do it. You're four and one testing positive for cocaine. Like, 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 calm down, son. Um, Linford said Thembo can beat AJ due to cardio factors. Yeah, like, I mean, I can see it. It's just you got to understand the last fight AJ had was in elevation, altitude. So that might have played some into it. I'm not sure what kind of pace Thembo pushes to bring that out of AJ. And hopefully, AJ, being as young as he is, has learned from it. But we'll see. Barry asked, why would Jessica risk this fight, potentially missing out on a title fight, unless she knows she can roll through Aaron? Because they're fighters, Barry, and this is what fighters do. Fighters fight. Real fighters like Jessica Andrade, who I consider to be a future Hall of Famer, like they test themselves against the best. They're not afraid of, afraid of challenges. Look at my boy Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Like, ah, okay, I don't want to say what I'm about to say because it'll be like talking shit about a legend, but certain people didn't want to fight Anka Live on you know, on a month notice and this and that, uh, you give Jamal Hill a title fight on a couple of weeks. He's like, uh, yes, he couldn't say yes fast enough. It's just a different mindset with these elite fighters. And Jessica's right up there as being one of them. Um, am I a gambler or a fanboy? Is he talking to me or someone else? Probably, he's got to be talking to someone else, right? <laughs> Star Drifter said, people in your chat are crybabies. Hey, not all of them, okay? Not all of them, but that is a funny-ass uh, comment. Dexter said, early this week, let's go. Hey, I had to give you all a Valentine's Day gift. All right, last call for questions. If not, I'm getting out of here. Truly, truly appreciate y'all being here. Thank you all so much for supporting me. Make sure you all smash the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Shout out to my boy uh, Oscar back there. You know what I'm saying? That's my dog. Um, after after this, leave me a comment. Yeah, Joe, I know, bro. After this, leave me a comment. Feel free to share. Feel free to retweet. All those little things y'all do help me out tremendously. And uh, I'm just grateful for all the support y'all have shown me. So got my first win of 2023, last event. And now I'd love to go on a win streak. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan. So, guys, thanks again very, very much. Truly, truly appreciate it. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, if you need any, any you know, last-minute ideas for Valentine's Day dates, y'all hit me up and, and let me know, and I got you covered. Um, besides that, I can't thank you all enough. Sub subscribe everywhere podcasts are found. And uh, until the next time, let's cash these bets!